With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Happy 2021 to all our Caixin Seneca Business Brief listeners. It may be a new year, but it has been a week of continuing trends from 2020. China-U.S. tensions continue, with three Chinese companies being delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. Latest figures show China's manufacturing continues to recover, and concerns persist over a possible property bubble. With all the latest stories for the new year, here's your news. The New York Stock Exchange said it will delist three Chinese corporations to comply with a U.S. executive order that imposed restrictions on companies identified as having links with the Chinese military, Bloomberg reported. The three companies are all telecoms companies, China Mobile Limited, China Telecom Corporation Limited, and China Unicom Hong Kong Limited, and they will be suspended from trading between January 7th and January 11th. Proceedings to delist them have already started, according to a statement by the exchange. All generate the entirety of the revenue in China and have no meaningful presence in the U.S. except for their listings there. And so the move is being viewed by many analysts as more of a symbolic blow amid heightened geopolitical friction between the U.S. and China. The health of China's manufacturing sector continued to show signs of improvement last month, though not quite as much as it had in the previous two months a Caixin-sponsored survey showed. The Caixin China General Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, more commonly known as the PMI, which gives an independent snapshot of the country's manufacturing sector, dipped to 53 in December from 54.9 the previous month. November's reading was the highest in 10 years. A number above 50 indicates an expansion in activity, while a reading below that signals a contraction. The December reading marked the eighth consecutive month of expansion. Two of China's largest tech giants have clashed over a dispute regarding revenue sharing on online games. Tencent's online games were removed and later restored on Huawei's App Store last Friday. The breakdown in cooperation between the companies on online games is thought to have resulted from the two sides' failed negotiations on their revenue sharing plan for online games, in which Tencent 
requested Huawei to reduce its 50% cut by the year end, industry sources told Caixin. The episode is part of broader ongoing disagreements between Huawei and a number of game developers who argue that Huawei should follow Apple's arrangement of a 30% cut for online games sold on its App Store. China's central banks and top banking regulator issued a new bank loan management mechanism last Thursday to cap banks' lending to the real estate sector in their latest effort to prevent systemic risks. All domestic banks' outstanding property loans as a proportion of total loans, as well as their ratio of outstanding mortgages to total loans, will now both be capped under a five-tiered system, the authorities ruled. The new rules follow a series of measures to curb overlending to the property sector, which was seen as contributing to a price bubble and adding to risks in the financial system. China's market watchdog on Wednesday said it has fined the operators of JD.com, Alibaba's T-Mall marketplace, and VIP shop 500,000 yuan, around $76,500 each, for illicit pricing activities, the latest move in Beijing's clampdown on monopolistic practices in the e-commerce sector. The State Administration for Market Regulation said it made the decision after receiving consumer complaints about behaviors such as raising prices before offering discounts around the time of this year's Double Eleven shopping extravaganza, November 11th. The fine is another blow for Alibaba, which said last week that it was under an antitrust investigation for its alleged practice of forcing merchants to sign exclusivity agreements designed to prevent them from partnering with its rivals. It is time to clear your diaries. It has been officially confirmed that China will hold its annual two sessions of its top legislative and political advisory bodies in March, Xinhua News Agency reported. The National People's Congress, China's top legislature, will start its annual session on March 5th in Beijing. The National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, the country's top political advisory body, will begin its annual session on March 4th. The Chinese COVID-19 vaccine produced by Sinopharm has been administered to a number of Philippine soldiers, as well as members of the president's security team and even possibly one cabinet member. The news comes despite the country's health authorities yet to officially approve its use. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte said during a televised meeting with health officials on Saturday that almost all soldiers have already been inoculated. However, the Bureau of Customs said on Tuesday that it is investigating whether the vaccines were brought into the country illegally, and if so, officials involved could face administrative and civil charges. Let's turn now to the co-producer of the show from Tsai Xin's end, Nandini Venkata, who joins us from Beijing. Hey, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. Great to be here. And of course, Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year to you, too. So over the holiday, the big story that everyone in the world was talking about was, of course, the big EU-China investment treaty uh, that was recently signed. So what should we know about the treaty? Yeah, that's right, indeed. So last week, just before 2020 came to a close, officials from Beijing and Brussels wrapped up some very, very lengthy rounds of negotiation via a virtual summit in order to reach this landmark investment deal. 
Now, the deal is officially called the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment, or simply the CAI. And if everything goes to plan, this should replace all such existing accords between China and every EU member state, but with the one exception of Ireland. And according to reports, among the EU sectors which um, are anticipated to benefit the most from the CAI are new energy vehicles, um, cloud computing, finance, and healthcare. Meanwhile, certain Chinese sectors are also poised to um, profit um, significantly from the deal. And these sectors include renewable energy, environmental protection, and digitalization. Let's drill down a bit into this pact. What exactly is it setting out to do? In order to really understand why this deal matters so much, we need to have a bit of background. So China and the EU, they actually have a huge trading relationship, which I'm sure many of your listeners are well aware. Um, The EU is the Asian nation's biggest trading partner. Meanwhile, China ranks as the EU's second biggest trading partner. And having said all of that, bilateral investment between the pair is actually surprisingly low. So that's a big reason that Brussels has actually been uh, wanting to get its hands on such an investment deal for nearly 10 years. Therefore, as part of the CAI, China has agreed to reduce barriers to investment. But I should also point out that this is far from the only aim of the treaty. It also strives to boost market access and guarantee fairer treatment for EU businesses which are operating in China. For example, Beijing has agreed to drop equity caps as well as joint venture requirements in various key Chinese manufacturing and services sectors, including certain areas which have been a bit trickier for these European companies to access. Then additionally, China also says it will now offer transparency on subsidies in the services sector, and it's also going to prohibit forced technology transfers. But I should also point out that we're not going to see any changes overnight. Despite reaching a critical milestone and sealing this deal after so many years of negotiations, um, I believe there have been seven years of negotiation going on, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done before this thing finally comes into action. A lot of practical matters still need to be addressed. For one, the agreement's text needs to be translated, and then it has to be ratified by the European Parliament. All of this could take several months. Well, given the obvious magnitude of this story, it seems that it might have some ripple effects, particularly with respect to the U.S. and its relationship with China. Can you comment on that? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. Um I'm sure you're not the only one wondering how this is going to sit with the U.S. and especially the new administration, which is set to take over in just a few weeks. There has definitely been 
a lot of questions asked and even some criticism for Brussels seemingly rushing to get this deal done before Biden's inauguration, which is going to take place later this month. As we all know, last year, things between Washington and Beijing really seemed to hit a whole new low with the pair criticizing each other on everything from trade to how the other side handled the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as tech companies. And of course, it's also been reported that Biden had wanted to round up some US allies and then jointly call out Beijing on a number of issues. And then, of course, um, a critical ally, the EU, goes and seals this deal with China. So I definitely think I'm not the only one who is curious about how this huge new deal will play into this very tense and very uncertain geopolitical climate. Okay, well, thanks, Nandini. Thanks, Kaiser. Look forward to speaking later. Indeed, and we'll be watching how this develops. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Tsaishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Tsaishin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin and Marcus Ryder of Tsaishin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. For more on China, be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.